Yeah, good morning. Um, like John said, my name is Carl Lindbergh, and I've been at Evergreen for a little bit now. I'm, I think, like, since October, but, it, you know, the whole year is kind of a mess, so no one really knows what's going on anyway. Um, if you've been here recently, you've probably seen me playing drums out back. I've been doing that for a little bit. Um, but like I said, I've been here in, since October, um, and I've been helping kind of set up and run the live stream since we've started live streaming the services. So if they started to look better, um, you can talk to me after the service, and that's great. And they start to look worse, uh, my email is jared at evergreencovenant <laughs> if you want to get a hold of me. So like I said, my name is Carl Lindbergh, and I am related to John and Polly Lindbergh. Um, Polly Lindbergh attends this church. Hi, Grandma. It's great to see you. Yay. I am currently attending North Park Seminary in Chicago um, in pursuit of my Master's of Divinity. So one day, um, hopefully, I think the plan is to become a pastor um, at my own church. I'm doing it almost fully online. Um, and when you're doing it online, it takes a little bit longer. So I am three years into the five-year program. Um, so, but the most important thing for me is that I finished my Greek class most recently, so that's the hardest class. Now I'm basically just, I'm, I'm done, and I just have to take my classes the rest of the time. I, before I was here, I had an internship at Creekside Covenant, which is up in Redmond, and I was there for 20 months doing mostly worship ministry and a little bit of youth and whatever else internships um, kind of comprise of. Uh, and I'm married to my wife, Ashlyn, who's also here, and we've been married for almost two years at this point. So I've been at this church since October, and I'm leaving to do an internship at the VA hospital in Seattle um, to become a chaplain, which is a requirement for North Park Seminary, which I think is a great requirement. It's really, you don't often get the, practice, get the chance to practice just sitting and being with people like you would being a chaplain, but it definitely scares me. I have no idea what to expect. Um, never done it before. All I know is that it's happening a week from tomorrow, um, and that's all I'm doing all summer. So if you guys could keep me in your prayers for the summer, that would be fantastic. John asked a while ago if I would be um, willing to preach before I started my internship, and I said that I would love the opportunity to preach. I really enjoy it. Public speaking is definitely a breeze, definitely something I don't need to practice. So, Our scripture reading today is going to come from 1 Samuel 8, 4 through 7, and 10 through 20 in the English Standard Version. It's not going to be up on the screens. So feel free to follow along, um, pull out your Bible, pull out your phones, or just listen to what I have to say when I read the scriptures. Then all of the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Behold, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said to Samuel, Obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. So just to give a little bit of context to what's happening right here, that was just 7 through 10. Samuel, one of the characters, is a prophet of the Lord. He ends up being the prophet that anoints both Saul and David to become king later on in the Old Testament. This is before that when the Israelites are saying, Hey, we want a king. Back then, the Israelites didn't have a king because they had God to rule over them. They had God to kind of lead their battles and be their ruler. And the prophet's role was to speak on behalf of God. So if Israel wanted to speak to God, they came to the prophet, Samuel, and then Samuel would speak to God. If God wanted to speak to Israel, God would speak to Samuel, the prophet, and then Samuel would speak to Israel. So he was kind of that um, middle person that had to do a lot of the translation. Back to verse 10. Samuel told the people all the words of the Lord, 
who were asking for a king from him. He said, These will be the ways of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them to his chariots and to be his horsemen and to run before his chariots. He will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and commanders of fifty, and some to plow his ground and to reap his harvest and to make his implements of war and the equipment of his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive orchards and give them to his servants. He will take the tenth of your grain and of your vineyards and give it to his officers and give it to his servants. He will take your male servants and your female servants and the best of your young men and your donkeys and put them to work. He will take the tenth of your flock and you shall be his slaves. And in that day you will cry out because of your king whom you have chosen for yourself, but the Lord will not answer you in that day. But the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, no, but there shall be a king above us, that we may also be like all the nations, that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. Something that I enjoy about reading the Old Testament is that it humanizes the Bible for me. Sometimes when I stay in the New Testament for a while, it's really hard to try and keep up and stay in that image of Jesus because Jesus, as we know, was perfect. And we're not. We can't match that. But the Old Testament isn't like that because it's all of these stories where people make mistakes and it's really revealing. And it's almost to me like it feels good to read stories in the Bible about people making mistakes because I make mistakes. And so do these people. Like it makes me feel, it makes the Bible feel more real. But sometimes it feels like people make really big mistakes in the Bible. Like sometimes you, you can see it be like, okay, this, this could obviously go either way. This could be a choice. But sometimes you're like, Israel, you really shouldn't get a king. Like, it seems pretty obvious right here, this is not your best option. I don't know, really, what were the Israelites thinking? This is a terrible idea. I want you all to imagine for a second, I know it's going to be very far-fetched right now, but imagine that you are looking for a new lead pastor. And you come upon this person who you think is going to do a good job, and his name's John. And you think John's going to do a great job being a lead pastor. He comes, he does his candidating sermon, and he does awesome. And he leaves, and you all are ready to vote him in. And the leadership team in the search committee is like, hey, you don't want John to be your lead pastor. If John comes and be, it becomes your lead pastor, he's never going to be at the church. Never going to be here. If he shows up, his sermons are going to be about 30 seconds long. He's going to take all the tithe money on the way out. He's going to take all the candy that's back in the nursery and all the food that's upstairs. He's going to take all the equipment and sell it and then sell the entire building and you're left with nothing. Would you guys honestly hire John? No. That would be a terrible idea. Why would you do that? So, like, what were the Israelites thinking? It's, obviously, this example I gave is a bit drastic, it's a bit far-fetched, but I feel like so is that story in the Bible. But that being said, even with those examples, most of us, I definitely can remember a time in my life where there was a plan that was happening, and I didn't like it. I didn't agree with whatever that plan was. Maybe you have an example like that where, you know, you, were, you think you're supposed to go to college but you don't want to go to college, but that's the plan. That's what your family's always done. That's what your friends are doing. You're like, well, I guess I need to go to college. Or maybe you're following a family member to a new job or a new city or somewhere, and you don't know anybody there, and you're moving away from all of your friends in this place that you call home where you feel like you're secure, but the plan is to move. And so, begrudgingly, you're like, well, I guess I have to move. Sometimes in life, there is no plan, and you're given two choices, and you can work with both of those. But sometimes, you know which one God's plan is. Sometimes you know which way the plan is going. 
and you're supposed to follow it. And sometimes you want to fight it just like the Israelites did. Sometimes God tells us something that we should do and we say, I don't like that. I don't think I'm going to do that. And sometimes we don't get that option. Sometimes God's like, this is the plan and this is what you're doing. When I was in fifth grade, my family took a trip to Guatemala. And we went to Guatemala during my dad's sabbatical. Julie, if you're listening, don't go to Guatemala on a sabbatical. It wasn't very restful for me. My dad is a physics professor at Seattle Pacific University. And from what I remember, he was trying to figure out how to teach a class on alternative energies in an area that needed to use alternative energies. They didn't have as many resources. Um, I'm not entirely sure why, but the entire family decided that it'd be a good idea to go down with him for those three months. It's possible that they told me, and I just don't remember because I was in fifth grade, but it's also possible that they just told me, like, hey, we're going to Guatemala. Pack your bags, we're going. All I do remember is that I was scared and I did not want to go. My family can absolutely attest to this. I was nervous. This did not seem like a good plan. Leave my friends, leave my school, leave everything that I know. And I don't know what to expect down there. But, I mean, I was in fifth grade. I can't exactly stay at a friend's house for three months. Has anyone ever experienced anything like that before? Where there's this plan, you obviously don't like it, you're scared, you're nervous, but you have to follow it. And sometimes you just have to follow it. A great story, uh, a great story of a plan like that in the Bible to me is the story of Jonah. The story of Jonah takes place in the book of Jonah, which is a book in the Old Testament. Jonah was another prophet from God. Um, and he was called to share the message of God to this town called Nineveh. Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh. He did not want to go to Nineveh. The people in Nineveh treated Jonah and his people very unfairly and very cruelly. And he didn't want to be there. And Jonah knew God really, really well because he was a prophet of the Lord. And he almost certainly knew that God was going to forgive the people of Nineveh if they repented. And Jonah didn't think that was fair. And so he went as far away from Nineveh as he could. He tried to go to this town called Tarshish. And he hopped on a ship and he went to this town. And as he was on his way there, his ship got caught in this huge storm. And the storm was so big that all the sailors ended up drawing lots to figure out whose fault the storm was because this was an unnaturally big storm. And the thoughts ended on Jonah. And they're like, well, this is obviously your fault. And Jonah goes, I know this is my fault. Throw me off the ship. And so they throw him off the ship and the storm stops. And then Jonah ends up getting swallowed by a big fish or a whale. And three days later, he's get spat out on the shore near Nineveh. Where God's like, this is the plan. You are going to Nineveh. There's nothing you can do. You tried to leave. It didn't work. And so Jonah goes and gives the worst sermon that he can possibly give. He says, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh heard that and repented and they were forgiven. And Jonah was really upset. That wasn't fair. That wasn't a good plan as far as he was concerned. I feel like as people, at least for me in particular, I like to be in control of my situation. I like to be in control of my environment, what's going on around me. It makes me feel comfortable and it makes me feel safe. I did not want to go to Guatemala. It scared me. I wasn't in control. Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh. He was angry. He was mad. 
That wasn't fair. That wasn't a very good plan. The people of Israel wanted a king because they thought that they were different from everybody else and they didn't want to be different from everybody else. That's why they wanted their king. Even though they already had God, who was God, to rule their nation and to lead them into battle, they wanted a person so they could be like everybody else. Like I mentioned before, one of my favorite parts about reading the Old Testament is that it just humanizes the Bible for me. It humanizes the characters and the people and the stories and the experiences. You can read about people making honest struggles and honest mistakes, and the authors don't try and hide that, and I really relate to that. One of the hardest things that I've had to do in my life is give up control of my plan for God's plan. Sometimes that's really easy. Sometimes you're like, hey, you know, I'm in my 20s. I don't really know what I'm doing in my life. Don't know where I'm headed. I'll just do whatever God wants. And sometimes you're like, this is what I've been doing for years. This is what is cemented in me. I don't want what God wants for me. I know better. This is what's best for me. Sometimes we really like to think that way. Sometimes I like to plan. I like to have my plan all set up before me, and it looks really great on paper. And then God steps in and just kind of ruins that. He's like, no, you're going to do this instead, and I don't have a say in the matter. And I have to keep reminding myself now that God is God, and he knows the plan way better than I do. He knows what's good and what's bad. He knows that way better than me. And sometimes that's hard for me to admit. In the book of Mark, chapter 14, we come upon the story of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's praying right before his crucifixion, his betrayal and crucifixion. He knows that this is coming. He knows that he's about to be betrayed. And he falls to the ground and he prays that if it's possible that that hour might pass him. Mark 14, 36 says this, Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet, not what I will, but what you will. Not what I want, God, but what you want. Even Jesus struggled with this. Even Jesus didn't want to go according to God's plan. He wanted things to go according to what his plan was, and his plan was not being crucified. But the end of the prayer is what gets me, and hopefully it caught your attention too. Because Jesus goes, yeah, I'm scared, I don't like this plan, but you know what, I know what's more important. It's not what I want, it's not what I will, he says. It's what you want, God. It is what you will. How would each of these stories look different if all of the characters, all of the people said, God, this is what I want. I want a king. But let's go with what you want. How would the entire Old Testament be different if the Israelites never had their king and instead they just trusted God and followed God? If they went, yeah, we're different. Yeah, we don't have a king to lead us into a battle, but we have something even better. It's hard for us to keep God's plan in our mind like that. We have to keep remembering that God's plan is the best plan. What would it look like if Jonah, instead of being swallowed, running away and swallowed by a whale, instead of doing all that, he just said, I'm going to go. I'm going to go preach to this town in Nineveh, and I'm not going to fight you. He would probably be a little bit less mad, a little bit less bitter, and more willing to follow God's plan. What would it look like for me if I wasn't terrified to go to Guatemala and did my best to refuse, but instead I decided to, you know, maybe actually learn Spanish instead of fighting it? How would that have changed and influenced my life? How would your life look different 
if you followed God's plan for you. If you said, you know what, I'm scared. I know what's coming and I don't like it. But you know what, God? It's not about what I want. It's not about my plan. Because your plan is better than I could possibly imagine. What would our lives look like? What would Evergreen look like if we were able to do that every single time, consciously and faithfully, following God's plan for this church, following God's plan for us? God, I know this is really hard and we don't really know what you're doing, but we want to follow you as faithfully as possible because this is not about our plan. It's not about how good we can do, about how great of a church we can be. It's about how good we can follow you because whatever we have planned is nothing in comparison to your plan. I'm going to close with a prayer. God, I pray that we are able to follow your plan effectively and that we know that it's scary and that it's hard and that is okay. Even Jesus knew that it was scary and hard. He didn't like your plan, but he still decided to follow it. I pray that we are able to go every day, God, not what I will, not what I want, but what's more important, what you will, what you want. I pray that we're able to follow that and we're I pray that we're able to follow your plan, even though it scares us, even though we don't know what's coming next, that we know deep down that you are right and that your plan is above everything else. Thank you for everything you do, God, and thank you for who you are. Amen. May God bless all of you and keep all of you. May God make his face to shine upon each of you and to be gracious to you. May you leave this place with the knowledge that God's plan is the best, even though it's scary and it's hard, that God's plan is the best. May you also leave with the strength of being able to follow God's plan, knowing that it is the best. Grace and peace go to each of you. Have a great week. Amen. Amen.